Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Championship Wednesday, Wednesday edition of the Yard. It is in the wee hours of the morning on Wednesday. I will do my best to get some sleep and get ready to go over there and win an AFL championship. How's that sound? We've never been in this position before. We have been close. We have been very excited. We've had some really good teams. But we have never, ever, ever in our history had the opportunity to play one game to win a national championship in baseball. We've had opportunities in women's basketball. Uh, we've had uh, some opportunities in the 40s in football. But, you know, we didn't get enough respect back in those days. And back in those days, the uh, polls the polls determined the national championship. So it was a matter of opinion. That's the thing I love about baseball. It's not a matter of opinion. It's a matter of who plays well. It's a matter of who shows up and wins. We get all caught up in these midseason polls and we're underrated and we're disrespected. I don't trip about that sort of stuff because it's just somebody's opinion. And opinions don't mean a whole lot. What matters is that you're playing your best baseball at the end of the year. And Mississippi State is. It's been a long journey. I mean, it really has been. Had to make some defensive changes. Had to make some changes to the lineup, changes to the weekend rotation. It's probably taken us longer than uh, we ever anticipated to find a consistent number three starter. I believe we've done that with Houston Harding, but you know what? There's only one game left in the season. We don't need a third starter anymore. Took us a while to settle things at first base. Josh Hatcher is a guy that's remained a great teammate despite the fact he's not lineup. Comes in, does his defensive replacement duties, does them well. You know, early in the year, people forget, Braylon Skinner was expected to be our starting left fielder. He broke a bone in his hand, missed him some considerable time, and he hits an absolute bomb at LSU. And all of a sudden, everybody's like, now I get it. I understand why we were so excited about this kid. But he needs some ABs. Going to go down as the guy that, that stole the biggest base in Mississippi State baseball history. Came around to score the game winning run to beat Texas to put us into the College World Series finals. I'm not going to talk about the first game against Vanderbilt very long. We, we blew it. We did. One of the things that I have said throughout the year, even to the very beginning of the year, is this Vandy offense is not elite. They're very talented guys, but they're very young. They haven't figured it out yet. I think Carter Young is going to be a phenomenal player at shortstop for Vanderbilt. What's he got, 14, 15 home runs? This guy can really swing it. Double-digit uh, double guy in just about every statistical category. Switch hits. It's a great job for them. It's a young team in many respects. I was speaking with Joe Haley of Baseball America. As I walked into the stadium today, and we talked about, you know, hey, Vanderbilt didn't have these two frontline pitchers. It'd be an average team. But you know what they do? They do have those two frontline pitchers. You could make the same argument. I mean, hey, if Mississippi State's got Jordan Westberg and Justin Foscue, this thing's probably already over. But it is what it is, and you are who you are. Those are the things that I think are important. It took us some time to kind of find our identity as a baseball team, and we have. Had a chance to visit with Coach Dan McDonald today. What a great guy, man. He is a tremendous guy. A huge fan of Chris Lamonis. Kind of laughed a little bit and said, hey, guys, I told you. I told you. He said, just because he wasn't a superstar yet, didn't mean he wasn't going to be. And he is. 
Chris Simonis in just his second full season in Starkville has us playing for a national championship. He has taken us farther than any coach in our history. That includes Paul Gregory. That includes Dirty Noble. That includes Ron Polk. That includes John Cohen. That includes Gary Henderson. That includes uh, Pat McMahon. Taking us farther than anybody's ever taken us before. And I really believe this is just the beginning. I mean, you go look and just think about this for a second. You know, we have not really begun to really see, you know, the fruits of Chris Lamonis and, uh, and really Jake Gotro to a lesser extent, but Scott Foxhall's recruiting efforts. You know, many of the guys they're playing with, you know, there's some guys that went out and got junior college to kind of, you know, you know, fill some gaps for us. But this is not our most talented team. It's not our best team. But it may give us our best result. It's because of the fact that, We've got a great coaching staff. We got great chemistry. We got a great nucleus. We got some guys that won't quit. We got some folks that believe that they're deserving to be national champions. And there's a lot of people out there to have a, a sense of self entitlement. That's not really the case with your Bulldogs. That's one of the things I've always admired about Tanner Allen and Rowdy Jordan to a lesser extent. But you know, TA's kind of been the guy. That's not the slight Rowdy in any way whatsoever. But T.A.'s always been like, hey, let's go out there and do it. Let's go out there and prove it on the field. We don't need the polls. We don't need all this other nonsense. We don't need people to like us. We don't have to be a cute story because we're not a cute story. It's really kind of ugly at times. We're not necessarily an, an exciting offense to watch. We don't go out there and knock the ball over the yard. We grind out at bats. We run people's pitch counts up. And sometimes that can be boring. We foul a lot of pitches off. But yeah, here we are on a threshold of the school's first ever national championship. I believe we're going to do it. And I know the odds are very, very long. I understand what we're facing tomorrow. You got Kumar Rocker, one of the best to ever pitch in college baseball. And basically all the quality arms in the Vanderbilt bullpen still available to you. So it's probably going to be a relatively low scoring game. And it may boil down to who makes the big mistake. It may boil down to who gets the big hit. We'll talk about that later in the show. There's a lot to feel good about. There's a lot to cover. I've met so many of you these past 13 days. I think that's right. I got here a week ago last Friday. I'm going to need the GPS to get home. It's been so long since I've been in Starkville. But, men, every day has been worth it. Every single day. There's not a single day that I say, man, I tell you what, man, this has been so expensive or it's been so much trouble and I've been gone so long and there's so much going on back home I need to be kind of attending to. I got a new book on the market that I can't really get out and go market right now. But here we are. I wouldn't trade this experience for the world, man. It's been so wonderful to be out here and to watch your players really thrive on the biggest stage in college baseball. There was a time in our program's history where the prize was Omaha. And it was great. We'd never been. And then we got to where we were kind of regulars, you know, for a while. But we didn't maybe truly look like or feel like a team that belonged. You know, it's like, hey, we want to get to Omaha, anything above that's a bonus. I mean, national championships, come on. Well, that's not the case anymore. And I go back to what John Cohen said when he was hired. You know, hey, we've been to Omaha, and just getting to Omaha is not enough anymore. So the expectations around our program have changed, and now we're meeting those expectations. 
that's the thing that just blows my mind is, you know, we have dared to dream big dreams before and kind of hope things work out for us. Guys, we're going to finish no worse than the number two team in the country. We've been there before. We never finished number one, though. And that is within our reach and within our power. Got a chance to go out there tonight and win a national championship. And you guys have been phenomenal as a crowd. Everybody's talking about it. You know, the people that I talk to, you know, my hotel and people at restaurants and that stuff, they found out I'm a Mississippi State guy. And they're like, hey, we had some Mississippi State people here earlier. We've taken over the town, man. We're running the show out here. You show up at TD Ameritrade Park, man, that's all you see is maroon. I've befriended several of these security guards, and I'm going to miss them, to be honest with you. They're great people. And one of the guys told me a couple nights ago that he had never seen a more partisan crowd. You know, when Vanderbilt, Michigan played for a national championship in 2019, they couldn't give tickets away. I mean, just couldn't give them away. And one security guard told me he thought there were just more locals here to go watch the College World Series final than there was Michigan and Vanderbilt fans. It ain't like that with us. And one guy say that probably the only school that could compete with us is OSU. And I, I threw Arkansas at him. He goes, yeah, Arkansas probably too. But, yeah, the bottom line is, is that we're here. We are an elite baseball program. we got an elite team, too. We wondered about that at times, too. It's, you know, we're an elite program, but, you know, hey, we're good enough to go win it all. And, yes, we are good enough to go win it all. There were times we probably doubted it. You get swept by Arkansas. You, know, you drop a Sunday game out there at South Carolina, you needed to get. You drop a Sunday game out there at Vanderbilt, you needed to get. You lose two out of three to Mizzou, you get embarrassed in the SEC tournament, but you, none of that matters anymore. It mattered so much at the time, but it didn't matter anymore. All that matters now is one game. One game against somebody we know really, really well. Against somebody that uh, knows us really well. And in many respects, and I'm going to say this, this is people may not like it, I'm okay with it too. Mississippi State is everything that is right about college baseball. It is. And to a certain extent, Vanderbilt is everything that's wrong about college baseball. In Mississippi State, incredible fan support. Vanderbilt, not. Mississippi State, great, great tradition that has spanned decades. Vanderbilt, not. Mississippi State doing their best to kind of piecemeal this thing together, scholarship-wise, Vanderbilt, not. And so while we may play in the same conference and we play on the same field and we're playing in the same tournament, we are not similarly situated. We are not the same. And my hope is that the baseball gods will smile upon us for doing things the right way, for not looking for an easier, softer way. We went out and built the greatest stadium in the history of this country for college baseball. That deserves a little return on the investment. You guys have given and spent and made a financial commitment to Mississippi State baseball that is essentially un, unmatched in the history of college baseball. That deserves some return on the investment. And I believe we're going to get it. And it's been so wonderful for those of you that have not been here. After we lost Monday night, I didn't see a fan base. It was like, oh, my gosh, it's going to happen to us again. I, I didn't I didn't get that. I went over to the Blatt Bar and Grill because I just wasn't ready to go back to the hotel room. I wanted to go hang out and, and, and some of the other media people. And next thing you know, I'm upstairs and 
you know, taking pictures and shaking hands and talking baseball with so many of you folks. But not one person, not one person said, hey, man, it's over. Not a single person. I think in many respects, we have grown as a fan base, and dare I say, we're beginning to believe. And so many of you young guys come up to me, and I love you guys, man, I do. They think it's such a big deal that I come hang out with them. I mean, the honor's all mine. And they're like, hey, Steve, dogs in three, man. I just want to hear you say it, dogs in three. And that's how I feel. You know, you go back and look at how that that game unfolded on, um, on Monday, and God bless Christian McLeod, man. That kid works his tail off for us. He takes a lot of pride in wearing a uniform. It just hadn't been good for him in the postseason. I don't know what's wrong. I don't. But I hope he and his summer league coaches or Chris Lamontis and Scott Fox will get it figured out for him. He is a tremendous person. And I can promise you nobody feels worse about Monday night than Christian McLeod does. But you know what? It's behind us now. We control our own destiny. we got to go out there and beat one of the greatest pitchers to ever toe the rubber in the College World Series, but we're capable of doing it. We absolutely are. He's throwing on short rest. Well, Bednar is expected to throw, throw on short rest too. But I think at the end of the day, sometimes talent's not enough. I think a lot of times it just boils down to want to. Do you want to do it or not? I know that we're not satisfied as a baseball program or as a fan base. I know I'm not satisfied. And there's sometimes I catch myself and I say, and you, you, you start bargaining with yourself. And you know what? If we don't win it, man, I'm still going to be excited. I mean, you know, we had a great year. We finished number two. But I stopped myself and I'm like, no, no, no. Because I don't know when we're going to get back. I mean, while I do believe Chris Lamonis is going to have us as a you know, top eight national seed regularly, I don't know when we're going to get back and be one game away from claiming a title. So there's no time like the present. Let's go finish the deal. And I really thought our crowd, I'd mentioned how spectacular you guys have been. I thought you really, 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 really bothered Vanderbilt pitching tonight. You guys uh, got some walks, man. You guys made it happen. Those guys get into a disadvantage count. It's 3-1 or whatever. Next thing you know, there's 25,000 Mississippi State people in your ear. Right up there close and personal. And it's ball four and the place explodes. They walk a run in. Next thing you know, man, we're off to the races. We got a ton of hits. What, 14 hits? Most of them singles. Because that's what it took. And it's going to take a similar effort against, uh, you know, <laughs> against Kamar Ocker. We got to go out there and swing the bats. We got to go out there and grind out some counts, too. We got to go swing the bats. We, you know, we're, he's not going to give us a whole lot. He might give us a little more than normal because he's pitching on short rest. I mean, I don't think that slider is going to have quite as much bite on it, you know, on such short rest. But. I don't think it's about them. I think it's about us. I think it's our destiny in many respects. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe people be trolling me for years because of the show. But we've earned it. We deserve it. Now it's time to go claim it. It's our championship. It's our year. And I'm a firm believer, too, is that once we break the barrier, once we kick the door down, I think as a fan base, we're going to mature a lot more. And what I mean by that is, is I think that the, the whole self-loathing element of our fan base, majority of it, will say, you know what? We can do it because we have done it. And I'm going to believe. I'm going to get behind this program and I'm going to start expecting more. You know, it's the, there's the old expression, you can you know expect in one or want in one hand and you know what in the other and see which one fills up first. You know, we've had a whole handful of that crap. 
you know, it's time for us to kind of get what we need to be. I believe in our kids. And I think if you saw that ball game on Tuesday night, Vanderbilt was shook. I mean, they were absolutely shook. If you watch the post game, Tim Corbin was shook. <laughs> I mean, you watch that, watch it all kind of play out. Yeah, they expected a tough ball game tonight because they're having to throw, you know, the number three, number four guy in their in their rotation. And we go out there and just absolutely crush them. I mean, absolutely crush them. It was a statement win for us. I think the biggest loss they've had this year was 14-1 to against Georgia. We got close. It's a much bigger stage, too. Went out there in front of our fans in our second home. Went out there and showed them we're not done yet. And let's be honest, you go back to Monday night, too. I mean, you know, we gave them a lot. They gave us a lot tonight, too. And that's why it's so important that we got to play clean on Wednesday. Uh, if I understand we hadn't made an error in six games, it's remarkable. Got our guys playing the best we can possibly play right now. We got our guy on the hill tomorrow. Not official, but let's let's be honest. We all know it's going to be Will Bednar. We just got to find a way to bridge it to Landon Sims. You get into the later innings, all of a sudden, uh, you know, let's say you get through the six with the lead. I'm going to start feeling good about life. Got that extra day's rest for uh, Landon and really the whole bullpen. I mean, what a great job by Preston Johnson and, and Hootie, man. Oh, my gosh. When we absolutely had to have it, man, some guys on the roster stepped up and did their jobs and did them better than they probably done them all year. In order to win a championship, that's what it requires. It requires a championship effort from players that maybe haven't produced that all year. That's not to say that Preston Johnson and Houston Harding hadn't been great. But when you look at how those guys perform tonight, I mean, th- this is what wins you championships. It's a guy going out there, throwing up five innings, giving up one run on two hits, and saving arms for tomorrow, saving Landon Sims. Because, you know, if we'd won this ball game tonight against, uh, you know, their third and fourth starters, about one run and we'd had to burn Landon Sims, we'd be in really bad shape tomorrow. But because we're able to get some separation offensively and because Preston Johnson was throwing up zeros, you know, we're able to rest a lot of guys. We still got Parker Stanat, still got Brendan Smith. I think probably the only guy on the staff that's unavailable tomorrow is uh, is Preston Johnson and probably Houston Harding. I mean, goodness, everybody else is available. And I thought and we, we managed it really well on Monday night. Even though we lost the ball game, we got some work for a lot of guys. I think we can piece this thing together. I mean, do we throw Cade Smith out there in middle innings, maybe get a inning or two? Maybe so. He's been downright, you know, dominating at times in the postseason. Really high on that kid. But no matter how we slice it, no matter what everybody else says, what everybody else thinks, it doesn't matter. We're a game away from winning the national championship. And I believe we're going to do it. I've said that for a couple weeks now. I've said it on this show a million times. There's not a dominant team in college baseball. All we got to do is find a way to get to Omaha and we'll just see how the matchups look. Well, here we are. Playing the last game of the tournament. The last game of the tournament involves Mississippi State. And how many times have we been in this position and say, oh, man, I just wish things would go our way for once. We'd have a chance to do it. Well, we do. And granted, I'd love to see Bednar you know, a full week's rest, but it is what it is. Well, Bednar's not going to make any excuses for you. He may not be 100%, but I know he's going to go compete. He's got a dog in him. That's who he is. He's a dog. So I'm expecting a dog effort from him. And hopefully he can get us four, maybe five, maybe even six. 
and then we bit Bridget to get to Landon Sims with a lead, I like our chances. It's important to get out to a good start offensively, too. And listen, Kumar's a guy, too. You know, you're talking to guys that know the game. They'll tell you, you know, when you're a power pitcher, especially a guy as big as he is, you know, when fatigue sets in, you start leaving balls up. All of a sudden, that breaking ball that, uh, you know, was diving down and people were chasing out his own, now it's in his own. Starts out in somebody's eyes and ends up in the bleachers. You know, when you're throwing the power fastball, sometimes you can't get it up enough when you get tired. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm sure he'll be jacked up and ready to go. I mean, listen, he is an absolute monster. He is, and he is a freak of an athlete. But you know what? He's been beaten, and he can be beaten again. And to be fair, I think all the pressure is on them. They're the defending national champions. And what's crazy about that, too, is they haven't won a single title all year. They didn't win the SEC East. They didn't win the SEC. They didn't win the SEC tournament. Now, here we are playing for a national championship. I say we keep that streak going. Let's keep it consistent. Let's let this 2021 Vanderbilt team, as great as they are, let's let them not be able to hang any hardware because this is our year. I'd like to thank our good friends at Bulldog Burger Company. Ma'am, three great locations to serve you. I'm still getting pictures from people that are going to the one in Ridgeland for the first time and how impressed they are with the staff and the experience. You will be too. Go by and check him out today. Ian Few is the manager there. He is a wonderful person. will do a wonderful job for you. He puts customer service first. There are a lot of people out there that don't. There are a lot of people, you know, customer service is a talking point, you know, in an advertisement or something like that. It's just something we put on the wall. He means it. He's been trained well. He understands it. He is in the right business for himself because he understands what matters most is you all because it keeps you coming back. Ian's done a great job working here at Starville, University Drive, Gloucester Street and Tupelo, one of the newer locations. Some of you share with me that you're fans. You know, your kids always want to go to Bulldog Burger Company, and they should, and you should bring them. If you're looking for something to do tomorrow night and maybe uh, maybe you couldn't find a watch party, go to Bulldog Burger Company, have a cold one or two, maybe have a meal, and enjoy watching Mississippi State play for an NFL championship. It's going to be at 6 o'clock. you got plenty of time. Hopefully there's no rain delay. We've been pushed back twice already. But what a great place to watch a ball game. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right, let's get in this ball game. Why don't we? All right? And I'll be honest with you, I, I felt good about the ball game all day. I felt good about the series from the day we beat Texas. I said, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. And I still believe we're going to do it. So a two-hour rain delay, and it actually was some rain today. There was no rain on Monday. It pushed it back. But Harding goes out there and gets you a great start right out of the gate. You remember how bad the first inning was on Monday. You know, I think Harding was up for the task. We get Bradfield to K looking. We get Cam Young to ground out on the very first pitch, and we get Keegan to strike out swinging. So it's a one, two, three inning, but I really thought that Harding set the tone there. Wasn't just, you know, feathering that changeup in there. He was mixing his fastball in, and, of course, where there's so much – you know, velocity differential between the uh, fastball and the changeup, the fastball looks even stronger. And I thought that was really the case today. So you get a one, two, three inning. State comes out, gets him a lead right away. Rowdy Jordan flies out at center field and actually a really good at bat. And I thought Christian Little was really struggling early on here. We probably let him off the hook a little bit early, but it worked out. T.A. strikes out looking. And again, that's a full, that's a full count there. And listen, Rowdy and T.A. both saw a bunch of pitches early. You get that kid out there, and he's a young guy, and he's going to be a star. He really is. I mean, Christian Little's going to be a name to remember. And I think the moment may be a little bit too big for him. 
Cam James then reaches on an error. He hits the ball, kind of just flicks the bat out there, rolls it out there towards Jason Gonzalez. And Gonzalez just looks like a million bucks, but they don't always play that way. And that was the case here. He picks it up. He throws to first. The throw is offline, and Dominic Keegan has to come off the bag. Cam is there safe. So we extend the inning, and we talk so much about action. You know, I like to hit and run. I like to bunt run. I like to run the bases. You know, sometimes you can't do it. You know, sometimes you don't have the personnel. Cam James is a guy that is a stud, is a base runner. So we start Cam, and we hit and run right behind him. And Luke rolls that ball down the right field line near the right field corner. Cam comes all the way around to score at first. And uh, Vandy misses the cutoff man. You, they may have had a shot if you hit the cutoff man, but you miss a cutoff man, and then you know, your first baseman's got to fill it, and there's just not no play there. They hold Luke Hancock to a single, but it's one nothing. And you're like, you know what? We were at one nothing the day before, but this time it was different. So we have, we actually have a chance to kind of keep this thing going. They walk uh, Logan Tanner on four pitches, and then DeBrule strikes out swinging on a full count, which was a bit of a surprise for me because he is so skilled with the bat and probably has the best eye on the team when it comes to that sort of stuff. You know, he just he he. There's a lot of good takes with him. But he strikes out here. It could have been a big, a bigger inning for us. But I, I was encouraged because I said, you know what? This guy's all over the place. I'm glad we're not chasing bad pitches. And we didn't. So it's a one up ball game. And then they come back and tie it. Uh, Hootie does a good job to kind of get the inning started. We get Colwick to fly out to right. We get uh, Parker Nolan to ground out to second. So it's quickly we're up and down. We get behind Rodriguez. C.J. Rodriguez is a monster. I, mean, I love that guy's game. He doesn't strike out much, but we got him a couple times tonight. But the, the first time through the order, he hits an absolute tank to left field to tie the game at one. And then we get Javier Vest to fly out to center. So it's a tie ball game after two, or excuse me, after one and a half. But I think we still all felt okay. And then we get in the bottom of the second. We don't answer the score there. Cumbus flies out to left. And then Kellen Clark doubled the right field. And you're thinking, okay, We've got to, we're guaranteed to get the top of the order up here, so maybe we can push Clark along and retake the lead. It uh, didn't work out for us. Lane Forsythe uh, actually had a really good at-bat here and rifles one all the way to the track in right field, and that's not really his game. But what it told me is he's seeing the baseball well because a lot of times he doesn't. You know, he's a young guy that needs at-bats, needs reps, needs, needs to see live pitching, and he's going to get there. He is an absolute – star defensively, but the offense is going to catch up, and he had a really good game for us tonight. We actually requested him in media, but you know, because it's a freshman and that sort of stuff, and he finally gets it, kind of gets a good game going, they want to leave him alone, and I understand that completely. Uh, but then Kelvin Clark takes third on that long fly ball, and Rowdy Jordan grounds out a second on the very first pitch. It took a little while for Rowdy to get going tonight. Uh, top of the third, we do a good job here. We get Thomas to pop up to first. We get Gonzalez walks, and Bradfield flies out to center. And then we have the fielder's choice there. We uh, force the guy there at second. And um, I think Cam James playing a good defensive uh, level for us right now. I mean, that was one of the things early on. We just kind of wondered about defense. But he's growing up right before our eyes. So we get to the bottom of third here, and this is the decisive inning. This is the one. It's like we had with, uh, with Notre Dame. We had the game with Texas. We put together some runs here. So T.A. singles to the shortstop. It's kind of a crazy play there. He, he hits that ball hard out of the short, and it actually gets stuck in the glove, which makes it a hit. People say, well, Steve, it should be an error. No, it shouldn't be. It's absolutely a base hit because, you know, errors are, you know, basically 
an unforced error. Like it's a routine play that you don't make, so they give you an error. You don't get charged for an error when your equipment malfunctions, and that was the case here with uh, with Cam Young, who, I, again, I think he's going to be a great player. Well, then they walk Cam James, and again, it's a lengthy count here. Then they walk Hancock, then they walk Tanner, drives in a run, 2-1. They bring in Riley for little, and we, you know, we rocked Riley on that Sunday game in Nashville. I was eager to see both of these guys because I knew that we could you know, score some runs, never expected us to do all that we did. DeBrulden singles back up the middle with the bases loaded to drive in two runs. And then, you know, the, the party kind of continued here. Uh, they hit Brad Cumbus, and it was a foul ball. It was like they throw inside, and it bounces off the handle. It gets him in the shoulder. There was some controversy. I guess they re- they reviewed it. The, the right call was made. So Cumbus uh, stays in there and then actually hits into a fielder's choice. They uh, they force Logan Tanner at third, really the only play they had there, really nice play there uh, from Young. Then they walk Callum Clark, and there's the wild pitch, and it runs scores, makes it 5-1, and then Forsyth strikes out swinging. Rowdy Jordan then grounds out to the pitcher. And so that could have been a huge inning for us, too. While we do go up there and put four runs on the board, it certainly could have been and probably should have been a much bigger inning for us. The big hits did come eventually, though. So we And I'm thinking then, let's get a clean inning and a top of four and get on out of here. But we walked Keegan on five pitches, and that was really, really frustrating. Then there's a single to left center, and it really felt like Hootie was tiring a little bit. And he had been sitting for a while, too. That's a hard thing to do. I don't think a lot of people fully appreciate. When you're out there and you're in the flow of the game and you're having 10, 15-minute innings and you got to go sit for almost 40 minutes, you know, it gets next to you after a while. So then Nolan – grounds to first, and we throw to second. They review this. Scotty was on the bag, but just slightly. And then we get Rodriguez to K swinging, which is a rarity. And then Javier Vera strikes out swinging. And so Hootie gets out of the jam there, and you're thinking, you know what, maybe this is our day. If we get out of this thing with no runs, we're in really, really great shape. So we come back, and we extend the lead a little bit there at the bottom of four. A T.A. walks and then takes second on a wild pitch. He really gave Vanderbilt trouble in the base pass. Not. He took advantage of everything everything they allowed him to do. Cam James walks again, and then Cam's still second. Because T.A. had gone – because we, we, we go on the wild pitch, and then Rodriguez throws it away, so we've got a runner at third there. Cam stills behind him. So now you got runners at second, third, nobody out. They walk Hancock to load the bases again. They bring in Berkwich, who I actually think was their best pitcher of the night. He was outstanding. That left-handed breaking ball is really something to behold. And he starts it so far inside, you kind of give up on it. Next thing you know, it's breaking back across the play. He's a guy we're going to have to watch kind of moving forward. Logan Tanner then flies out near the uh, the tarp over there in the shortstop. Cam Young runs it down. Then DeBrule uh, grounds to the shortstop and then beats it to first, and a run scores to make it 6-1. Cumbus K swinging there. Cumbus didn't have a good day at the plate, and that's okay. We didn't need him to. So it's a 6-1 ball game through four, and it seemed like we had been at the ballpark forever. We had a two-hour rain delay, and you look up, and you're like, it's just the fourth inning now. So we bring in Preston Johnson, and many of you were like, oh, why are we pulling him? I mean, Houston was on fumes, man. And John, and Chris said so much in the postgame. You know, it hadn't been that long ago that he pitched. And, uh, you know, he's not a guy that really goes deep in the ball games very regularly. And so there are high-stress innings for the kid, and he goes out and does his job. And we get it to Preston Johnson. At this point, it's a 6-1 ball game, and you're thinking, how long can we ride Preston Johnson? And Preston's a former starter, so it's not completely out of the 
realm of possibility to think he could finish this thing, and obviously he did. He comes in, gets a quick fly out from Thomas, and I think Thomas is a great player at Vanderbilt, kind of underappreciated. Gonzalez case, Bradfield then triples to right. I thought for a while there, T.A. may have a play on that, just couldn't come up with it. And then we get Cam Young to strike out swinging. So it's 6-1, middle of five, and I think right here we were starting to feel it a little bit. Well, we tack on some more runs here in the bottom of five. Kellen Clark strikes out on three pitches, and then Forsyth does a great job, gets an infield hit here, and it's crazy how life works. You keep hitting the baseball hard at somebody, and the next thing you know, you know, things begin to kind of roll for you. So he hits that ball to third and then beats it out and gets an infield hit. Cam then goes right back up the middle to drive in the run, make it 7-1. Luke Hancock singles to center, and uh, we drive in Tanner Allen. And so now it's an 8-1 ball game, and then Logan Tanner strikes out swinging. But, you know, we have taken and extended this lead. And so now you start thinking, man, we really can ride Preston Johnson for a while. You know what, a seven-run lead, why would we even consider throwing somebody else and burning another arm? And there wasn't a lot of activity in the bullpen after this moment in the game. Top of six, we get Keenan to ground out the short. They pitch hit Spencer Jones for Colwick because, you know, we have brought in the right-hander there, and we walk him. Then no one flies out, Rodriguez strikes out swinging. There's your second K of Rodriguez, one of the most difficult guys to strike out in the country. Bottom of six, we don't do much here, but we kind of, again, we're knocking the ball around a little bit, making them play defense. DeBrule strikes out swinging, Cumba singles to the right side, really did a nice job of hitting there. The ball was outside. It was a point of contact issue. Rather than try to pull that thing and ground it back to the second baseman, he goes with it and really hammers that ball through the right side. Uh, Clark then gets a fielder's choice. You know, grounds out. They force a runner at second. They can't complete the double play. And then Forsyth just tomahawks one into left. And so now all of a sudden, you know, that bottom third of the order, you know, Forsyth all of a sudden found something. You know, and has a really good day. They actually had three hits on a day for us. I mean, goodness gracious, I don't think he's had that many in the postseason combined. How great is that heading to the championship Sunday? All of a sudden, our, our nine-hole hitter starting to produce a little bit. There we go, Lane. And so, then Rowdy strikes out looking against a full count there. I really thought that, I thought it was a strike. I don't think it, the, the, the zone was a little bit of an adventure tonight, but I thought that pitch was a strike. Top of seven, Preston's deal. When we go one, two, three here, we get Voss to fly out. Thomas K's looking, and Gonzalez strikes out swinging. I thought Jason Gonzalez was really, really rough tonight, offensively and defensively. We get into the seventh. They bring in Owen for Berkwich, and I was really glad to see Berkwich go. And uh, this is where we open the game up even more and just put it out of, out of complete possibility here. So they, they change catchers to bring in Romero, and that, that's big later on. And they so – the first thing Owen does is uh, hit T.A. with a wild, with a 0-1 pitch. I don't think it's anything deliberate because next thing you know, there's a ball in the dirt. T.A.'s taking second. Cam Jameson strikes out looking, and T.A. still third, and it was all him. I mean, the pitcher never looked at him. It was ridiculous. I mean, it was absolutely ridiculous. He, he's out there dancing around. Next thing you know, he's just running by him. So now we've got the runner at third with less than two outs. I think we're all starting to feel pretty good about life here. I know I was. I'm thinking, you know what, I just want to get out of here. Let's get this game over. Let's get it over and get onto the house and start thinking about tomorrow. So so we're in the six here. I've, I've kind of got all kind of discombobulated here because I'm really tired. So T.A., let me pause this just for a second. Let me figure out where I'm at. Okay, I got it. 
as I, as I told you guys before, I'm really tired. It's bottom of seven. I hit the wrong button here. Next thing you know, I'm off to the races and I can't find my spot. So bottom of seven, you know, TA is now at third. And then they walk Luke Hancock on four pitches. And so we go ahead and bring in uh, Josh Hatcher. Hatcher immediately still second. <laughs> and um, that third ball away. Run scores. Now it's a 9-1 ball game. They walk Logan Tanner, a lengthy at bat. And how big is that going into Wednesday, kind of getting some of these guys that have been struggling a little bit going? Uh, then they walk. Yeah, they walk Logan Tanner. Then DeBrule singles back through center field. Just another great job of hitting there. And that's the thing. You start getting all the dogs pulling, man, in the right direction. DeBrule all of a sudden is getting getting hot here in the series. Lane Forsyth's got three hits for you. Logan Tanner's starting to hit the baseball. All of a sudden, you've got some length in your lineup when it matters most, and that's in the championship series. Columbus is hit by the pitch. Like I said, Brad kind of had a tough night, man, but it was a lengthy at bat. You did a good job kind of putting this thing together. Bases are now loaded, and they uh, pinch hit, pinch run, excuse me, for uh, for Columbus and bring in Skinner. And it's funny how Lamontis kind of gives Columbus a hard time about recovering from the hit by pitches, you know, for the biggest guy on the team that uh, – he you know, plays football. Sometimes he gets hit by the pitch. It takes him a while to recover. Callum, a tough night at the plate. A lot of that's because, you know, facing these left-handed breaking ball pitchers. But uh, three swinging strikes, and he's out. And then Forsyth knocks it right back out the middle for two RBI. It's a 12-0 ball game. Then Rowdy singles to the right side. Does a really good job just kind of staying with that pitch and dumping it in the right field. And uh, Braylon Skinner scores. It's a 13-1 ball game. At this point, it was just, you know, we were just really kind of flexing our muscles a little bit, kind of making a statement. Listen, you guys may have felt good last night, but we gave you much of what you went to bed with, and we're taking it back. That's exactly what happened. It's going to be interesting to see who can win the game three. So Bradfield then pops up uh, to center. They call it a fly out. It, it wasn't. There's a lot of that, too. There's a, you know, there's a lot of pop-ups tonight, and that tells me the off-speed stuff is working. Young then pops up at third base on a 2-0 count. Keegan strikes out swinging. So we're through the eighth. Uh, we have a chance to go put some things on the board. We don't. Cam James flies out. Hatcher absolutely smokes one, uh, but out to center. But Bradford runs it down. That's what he does. It gets a future big leaguer right there. Logan Tanner then doubles down the left field line, and he absolutely smoked that ball. And DeBrule lines out to third. Uh, Gonzalez kind of had to go up and make a play there. But um, it's really a good thing to see the Bulldogs swinging hot bats. Because we just need one more, right? We just need one more, then everybody can take a break and then go play some league ball and go back and be with their families. We just need one more from them. So we get to the ninth. Uh, Jones strikes out swinging. They pinch hit for, for Nolan with Bulger. He fouls out the first base. Josh Hatcher over there to make a nice play. And you're thinking, okay, this thing's about over with. Let's get out of here. And then Romero hits an absolute tank that uh, that that we turn around and wave goodbye to. You know, it's Preston Johnson turns around and says, okay, see you, ball. <laughs> it's crazy. Then we walk a guy, and you're like, okay, let's just get out of here and get done. I really thought that, that ball four was a strike. It would have been if I'd have been an umpire in a 13-2 ball game. Thomas then grounds out to second. Let's face it, friends, we live in uncertain times. Security, probably more important now than ever before. That's why it's important to keep you, your family, your property safe by working with my friends at Eufy. That's E-U-F-Y dot com. Let me tell you a little bit about this new video smart lock they have. It's super cool because basically you get 
a three-in-one security system here. You can have everything on just one device instead of having it outside of your house look rather tacky because you got all kinds of stuff out there. It's not just about your security, but convenience. No more concerns about losing keys. You can assign passwords to your family members, and you can see who's kind of coming and going. You got that immigrated camera, too. Uh, it's easy to install. You can set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. You know, you don't have to go to a class on how to use power tools. No drilling required. You have keyless entry. You don't have to worry about fumbling with the keys when you're getting back with a, an armful of groceries, right? How convenient is that? That in and of itself is a great benefit. You got fingerprint recognition. It's unlocking. Got that AI self-learning chip. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You don't have to worry about the battery. It's got a rechargeable battery that can last around four months. And you get a notification before it runs out so you don't have to compromise your family security. You got passcode unlocking, remote control, 2K clear sight, camera. You can see who's at your door. You see these videos online all the time. Don't you think it's time for you to set something up so you can have the peace of mind of knowing that you don't have people constantly going in and out of your property? There's no monthly fee. Unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee, you can have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. How cool is that? It's convenient. It's safe. It's a must-have for your home today. If you already have like a video doorbell, you know sometimes people want to come and steal your, your doorbell. You don't have to worry about with, that with this. All right, so let's be sure to visit... Eufy Video Lock, that's E-U-F-Y, official.com, forward slash video lock. And it's time for you to gain control of your door. Again, that's Eufy, E-U-F-Y. Yeah, there's a ball game, so we don't have to hit. Let's recap the numbers here just a little bit here. As a team, Mississippi State had 14 hits and scored 13 runs, very efficient in that, and we had some free passes to kind of go on top of that. Vanderbilt, this elite offense that people keep telling me about, four hits, two runs, and uh, one hit, and one of those one of those runs came on a solo blast in the second inning. The Bulldog bullpen, again, does a great job kind of shutting those guys down. That's one of the things that gives me a lot of uh, you know confidence about tomorrow. So here are your hitting heroes. Lane Forsythe leads the way three for five for him. Scotty DeBrill two for six with four RBIs. Luke Hancock two for two with a couple of ribbies and three walks. How big was that? Logan Tanner also walked three times. And then Tanner Allen two for four. As far as your runs go, Tanner Allen scored four. Scotty DeBrill a pair. Cameron James two and a handful of others just with one. Looking at the other side of the thing, Enrique Bradfield had one hit, and that was the triple. Uh, Tay Colwich had uh, a single. C.J. Rodriguez had the home run, and then Max Romero had the home run. So you start doing the math here. You know, they just don't have much to show for it. You get four hits, two solo home runs, a triple, and then a single. That's that's your offensive production for the day. And, again, these weren't our elite arms. You know, what are they going to do if Will Bednar gets fined up, fired up and finds it? Let's look at the pitching numbers here. Christian Little goes two innings pitched, allows five runs on three hits, four of them earned, four walks, two Ks, the one wild pitch. Patrick Riley comes in, just goes one inning, one hit, one run, four walks, two wild pitches. And that was, we had him on ropes and probably should have knocked him out. Nelson Burr, which I thought was outstanding for them, even though we hit him a little bit, six hits, uh, two runs, five Ks, no walks, and three innings of work. Expect him to be a dude moving forward. We did get to Hunter Owen. One inning pitch, three hits, five runs, two walks, two Ks. 
uh, two hit-by-pitches. You know, we just really gave him a lot of trouble. And at this point, they're waving their white flag. They're not going to throw an arm that really matters uh, in the final game of the series when this one's already well in hand. So you're just getting some guys out there to kind of be casualty soakers and just kind of eat up innings and get the ball game over. Daniel Evans pitches uh, one inning. I really liked his stuff, though. You know, control's a bit of an issue, but I thought he did a really good job. He hides the ball well, kind of whips that thing around pretty quickly. Probably tough to recognize that. One hit, no runs, uh, no walks, no Ks. You have to forgive me, man. I'm tired. So we get into uh, Mississippi State here. I mentioned how great the pitching performance was. The best part of it is we win and we save arms. That's the biggest part of it. You win, you save arms. Houston Harding, four innings pitch, two hits, one run. That was a solo home run, four Ks, two walks, just 55 pitches. Preston Johnson earns the win, five innings pitch, two hits, one run, uh, and that's a solo home run, right? So basically the two runs they scored are solo jacks. And the one they hit all Preston didn't matter. It's 13-1 at the time. Seven Ks, two walks. This really does a great job. And so we win it. And Preston Johnson now 4-0 on the year. Christian Little drops to 3-2. and You know, we always talk about it's a team effort. And, you know, we, we've got some stars. We got we don't have superstars. But, you know, Tanner Allen, of course, named the ABCA National Player of the Year. That's probably qualifies him as a superstar, the reigning SEC Player of the Year. But it's a different guy every night. And I know that's kind of come up a cliche, but, you know, who knew that Scotty DeBrew would be your leading run producer? Who knew that Lane Forsyth would be your leading uh, head producer in this ball game? In order to win championships, you, that's what you need to happen. You need to have some guys out there that kind of have some career moments, those career-defining things that, that put you over the edge. And that's what we had on Tuesday. Very happy with the result. A lot of unhappy Vandy people when we were walking around, I can promise you that. They were not the least bit happy about what had transpired. They feel good about Kumar being on the hill, so we'll talk about that a little bit later in the show. Okay, now it's time for today's top ten list, brought to you by johnnypacker.com. That's johnnypacker.com. Visit johnnypacker.com today to find the latest in all the, the sunglass wear that you're looking for. Great people, great product, great prices. John Packer himself has struggled with cystic fibrosis his entire life. And a portion of your purchase will go directly to the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation. I'm going to encourage you to get involved with that because it is a great cause. But also, too, it is one of those situations where I think we need to do business with Bulldogs as best we can. Visit the website today, and if it shows that your favorite sunglasses are sold out, shoot them an email by using the Contact Us link. They've got the new blue light glasses that make it easier on people like me and you that uh, sit behind a computer screen all day. JohnnyPacker.com. Promo code BONEYARD will save you 10% off your purchase. Again, that's JohnnyPacker.com, today's sponsor of the Top 10 list. One of my favorite bands, and we haven't done this, and I I, I skipped this ahead on the list because I was jamming some of this earlier today, it's Blackstone Cherry. I think they are a modern-day Southern rock band that probably doesn't get their due. I have seen them several times. They are a great band. Some of the ballads that didn't make the list, things my father said and all I'm dreaming of. All I'm dreaming of is just a great track. I think everybody feels that way. Go check it out today. But here's your top ten list. Those are your honorable mentions. Top ten. Number ten, Burnin'. But, I mean, from the very beginning, that riff kicks in, and all of a sudden, you know, you're on a roller coaster. Number nine, going back to the beginning, 
It's a song called Blind Man. That's off the very first album. That's back to my old MySpace days. I used to have that as my song on my MySpace page. Number eight, Cheaper to Drink Alone. And that's about, you know, relationship that kind of comes unfolded there. Number seven, off the Devil in the Deep Blue Sea album, it's Like I Roll. Great track. You probably heard that one. Number six, from the same album, it's In My Blood, It's In My Soul. The title is In My Blood, but the chorus is uh, is something that's very singable, shall we say. Number five, a song that actually was made famous by the Florida Georgia Line was actually a Blackstone Cherry original. It's the song Stay. They wrote it. They performed it first. It is not a Florida Georgia Line original. Number four, also from the very first album, it's Lonely Train. This is another one that has a great opening riff. They absolutely just kick in there and just destroy this song. I think you're going to like that one a lot. I actually made a mistake on the list, so we're going to make number three, All I'm Dreaming Of. So, Roy, you'll have to fix that. I'll have to, Roy will text me in the morning and say I doubled up here. I put like I roll in here twice. But number three is All I'm Dreaming Of. Number two, and this is one that's kind of filled with double entendre, it's Me and Mary Jane. We got a thing going on, going on, me and Mary Jane. But number one for me, and it's uh, not just a song, but it's words for living, and it's White Trash Millionaire. I ain't got much, and I don't care. White Trash Millionaire. That's top ten list today, a little bit shorter today because the show's going to be shorter today. But I love Blackstone Cherry. They are the descendants. Ben and Chris are both descendants of the Kentucky Headhunters. Check them out, too. You probably remember their great track, Dumas Walker. But this is the next generation. It's got a little more rock to it than the Headhunters did. Even though the Kentucky Headhunters had a tremendous name for a band, Blackstone Cherry, absolutely phenomenal live. If you get a chance to go see them, last time I saw them was at Rick's with the Cadillac 3. I think you'll uh, you'll dig those guys. Me and Blake Dees went to that show and a couple of his friends. But there you go. That's top 10 list Blackstone Cherry songs. I love them. You'll love them. If you don't, I don't know if you enjoy Southern Rock. There you go. Top 10 list brought to you again by johnnypacker.com. Next segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmark. Stan the Man is out here in Omaha. I've seen Stan. He's doing well. But the, the fine folks back home, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie, and uh, who is ar- arguably the most lovely and talented woman in the Golden Triangle, go by, see her, and uh, always with a smile on her face. I had so many people that say, Steve, I've met Susie, and she is phenomenal. I would not steer you in the wrong direction. You'll be glad you did. And if you're looking for World Series gear, you can find it at Campus Book Mart. If you can't make it to town to go by and see them, visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net and use promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. Again, that's Campus Book Mart. Net. So let's preview the national championship game. Kumar Rocker is an absolute monster. Everybody knows that. He has had a pretty good World Series, but he's been knocked around just a little bit. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, a lot of people in the booth are kind of talking about is how is he going to handle pitching on such short rest? You know, we know exactly who he is, what he has, what he's going to do. It is not going to be easy by any stretch of imagination, but I do believe we can put some good swings on him just because of the short rest. There will be some fatigue. And listen, I'm sure Vandy's thinking the same thing. 
we just have a little more pop in this field. I just don't think that they have an offense that's capable of really victimizing Will Bednar. As long as we don't get out there and walk people, I think we're going to be in great shape. Here are Kumar's stats, though, from the year. They're absolutely ridiculous, man. I mean, they are absolutely ridiculous. And again, as Chris Lamona said in postgame, one of the best college pitchers in the history of the game, if not the best college pitcher. And, and some of that's coach speak. There's been some great pitchers through the years, but certainly Kumar is uh, in that list. Kumar Rocker, 14-3 and three on the year, a 2.52 ERA, 19 appearances, all starts, one complete game, and you know what? That came against us. 117 and two innings pitched, allowed 69 hits. That's nice. 38 runs. 33 of them earned 37 walks and 173 Ks. He has been susceptible to the extra base hit. He has allowed 19 doubles on the year, eight home runs, and I think it seems like all of them came against Georgia, right? Opponents are hitting just 164. He does have 13 wild pitches uh, to his credit and has hit seven batters. We're going to have to make him work. Nick Maldonado is one of the first uh, arms that you'll see out of the pen. He hit, he threw, I think, 51 pitches a couple days ago uh, against us and did a great job. He is a slider, slider, slider guy. And then just when you're looking outside, he jams inside that fastball. He is 1-2 on the year with 2.31 ERA, but has nine saves. 50 innings pitch is allowed 32. So it's well less than a pitch a hit per inning. It's allowed 13 runs. All of them earned 59 Ks against seven walks. He just doesn't give you much. It's allowed eight doubles and four home runs and a one a .173 batting average against and just two wild pitches. He's a guy, despite the fact that he's a heavy slider guy, he didn't throw a lot to the screen there. Luke Murphy is another name you should expect to see tomorrow. Four and one on a year, 2.50. He hadn't thrown, I think, in a handful of days. He'll, he will be fresh. 26 appearances, all in relief. Also has nine saves. 39.2 innings pitched, allowed just 23 hits. 11 runs, all of them earned a 4-1 to strike-to-walk strike to walkout ratio, 60 Ks against his 15 walks. One double, six home runs, allowed just a bad average of 169. So you hear these numbers and you start thinking, man, you know, what are we up against? Well, it's going to be it's going to be one of those days we're going to have to grind it out, manufacture some runs. Another guy that you should expect to see is Chris McElvain. We saw him in that Sunday game after we kind of roughed up Riley. He came in and really shut us down. 5-1 record, 3.71 ERA, 21 appearances, just a one start and a pair of saves. 43 and two-thirds of an inning pitch, 35 hits, 18 runs, all of them earned, 24 walks against 55 strikeouts. Not a huge strikeout guy, but he's one of those guys, too, that just doesn't give you a whole lot and hopes you beat it in the ground. Eight doubles, four home runs allowed, and a batting average of just 222. Listen, opponents are hitting just 186 against Vanderbilt as a team, and uh, we really went and stretched them out a little bit tonight. We will get their best effort. They will come out there and do what they can, uh, not only to win an AFL championship, but to get even. That's a proud program over there. There's a lot of guys over there that uh, are expected to play baseball for a long time, and and they're not going to just take well to this. Vandy has hit 290 as a team, and uh, so we have kind of held them down for the most part. When we haven't given them things, we have won the ball game. That, that's what I think is important. If we go out there and walk people and hit batters, we're going to get beat. We can't give them free bases. We can't give them extra outs. we got to make them earn everything, and that's what we did on Tuesday night, which is why we were so successful in the ball game. They have not been good offensively in – TD Ameritrade. They just hadn't been. 
you know, their team that again they'll score some runs if you help them. I just don't think they can string things together. That's what we have to kind of work on too to ensure that you know, we're working hard. But they threw a lot of arms tonight to save some arms uh, for tomorrow. It'll be the 3M deal. You know, Malzanado, McIlvain, and Murphy in relief of Kumar. So we're going to see their every best arm they have, not named Jack Leiter, in that ballgame. That's why I think getting ahead is going to be such an important part of it because every guy behind them is capable of shutting you down. And so I'm excited about the ball game. You should be as well. And there's so many people that say State's going to win it, State's going to win it. Don't look for a 13-1 ball game. If it is, it'll be a, a huge, huge surprise if we do anything like we did the night offensively. But, you know, what we've got to do is you know, move runners. we got to steal bases. As good as a receiver as Rodriguez is and as tough as an out as he is at the plate, he, he does have a tendency to throw the ball away a little bit. And those are the things that we have to take full advantage of. They also have made a lot of errors in Omaha. They hadn't always been able to field it clean. We have been so far, and that's going to be an important part of it. I mentioned to you guys earlier, I guess it was in the show uh, preview in the series, they're now 12-7 and seven away and 7-3 and three neutral. So they are not a team that has done really well away from their home park, 30-6 and six, uh, in Nashville. And so you can kind of do the math there. You know, 19-10, and 10, you know, overall uh, away from their ballpark. And so that it's certainly winnable by every stretch of the imagination. It's not anything I think we have to be scared about. The pressure is clearly on them. And I think this is where you guys as a crowd – can make a big difference. You got to ramp that pressure up. And, and listen, you, you can't not be loud. And I know it's a double negative. You got to stay engaged in the game. I know it's easy when things aren't going our way for us to sit on our hands, but, you know, I think we can be the 10th man there. I think that's an important part of things. It's our time. And I wouldn't want it any other way. And I mean that. I think it would probably have been an easier matchup for us to play NC State. But the fact that we're going to play Vanderbilt and we're going to see their best arms on Wednesday when we win it, and I believe we will, we won't have to listen to anybody say, well, you know, if we had had Rock or if we'd had this, we'd had that. We ain't got to listen to that. We have a chance to really go validate ourselves as a program and claim our first national championship. And I do say first because I know that I I think number two will kind of come in quick succession. I really do. I, I think that we're about to really turn a corner as a program I'm tired of being on that list of Florida State. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, the, the, the two teams that have been here the most that hadn't won, it's Florida State, Mississippi State. I said we just let Florida State have that. I mean, I, I think that is theirs to own. They're well ahead of us in that statistic. But, you know, we're number two on the list, and I'm tired of being on the list. Let's get off the list. And I'm ready to go to bed so I can sleep late and then get up and go take my kids to lunch and then um, go watch the ball game and celebrate an AFL championship. I had said before that I was probably going to leave Wednesday night and try to kill some of the drive. You know, if we win it, I'm going to be eager to get on the road uh, on Thursday. But I want to hang around here in Omaha and celebrate with you guys a little bit because when are we going to get a chance to do this again? We've never done it in my entire life. And so I'm not going to run off. I'm going to enjoy one more night in Omaha, provided we win. If we lose, I may be ready to just get on the road and get as far away from Omaha as I can. But no matter how this thing works out, I think we can all feel really good about, number one, where we are as a program and how we have played so far in this tournament. Every game has kind of been nip-tuck except for this one. You know, of course, we kind of got got smashed a little bit on Monday. 
But the eyes of college baseball are upon us. We're playing before a national audience, and there are a lot of recruits who are going to be watching the ball game, and they're going to be curious to say, you know, listen, what direction is Mississippi State going in? I think we've already entered that. I think now it's just about going and finishing the deal. And when you look at Rowdy Jordan and T.A. and those guys, that, that great junior class that kind of came in together, they could go down as arguably the greatest class to ever play at Mississippi State. That includes Clark and Palmero. Some great individual performances. But, uh, you know, these guys have been to Omaha three times. And now they're in the finals, and they're one win away from winning an NFL championship. There is no way at all you can compare that to anything else we've had and say it's comparable. You know, the closest thing we had was 2013, and we were also excited, and we got swept. And we didn't play well offensively. We just didn't. I think we tried to do too much. And that's what I thought what tonight was about. There are times that we take some selfish swings as a team. Tonight, we did a lot less of that. We put the ball in play. We made them play defense. We kind of hit it where they weren't. We put some guys in motion, made them make some decisions defensively. And then we work counts, and we let them walk us. We're going to have to do that against Kumar. We're going to have to do that against Vanderbilt. But here's the deal. They're not going to walk in the ballpark. They're not going to get out there and say, hey, guys, congratulations. Here's your national title. That's not going to be the case. They're going to fight us tooth and nail. And we're going to face the best arms they have. And I think it's going to make it that much more, more rewarding for us. I can't wait to get started. I can't wait to get to the ballpark. I didn't want to leave tonight. And as I'm leaving them, it's like, you know, it's well after midnight, and there's Bulldog fans lined up trying to get their picture made in front of the Omaha statue, that Warren Moore statue out in front. It's our time to be celebrated. And there have been so many fans around here that are fans of other schools that have come up to me and said, you know what, I'm pulling for your Bulldogs. It's time you guys won. And I think there's so many people that respect who we are as a program and as a fan base. They say, you know, it's just not fair to Mississippi State doesn't have one. And they want us to have it. If they can't win it, they wanted us to. <laughs> I think everybody also is, is uh, cheering against Vanderbilt. Those are the things that fire me up. I mean, I, I think the crowd thing matters more than people realize. I mean, 24, 25,000 people there, and I would say 90% of them are Mississippi State fans. There's probably 5% banding and 5% local fans, people that just want to come see the College World Series. But we have easily become the fan favorites. There are a lot of people out here that love our people and they love our, our commitment to this. And, you know, one of the sad things already is that, you know, game three tickets. There was some confusion with Ticketmaster about when the tickets are going to go on sale. And people were kind of waiting and set their alarm clock and then they go check and the tickets are already gone. I think the whole thing lasted about four minutes. And so if you don't have tickets, you're going to have to go pay for them on the, on the secondary market. You're going to have to go to StubHub or Ticketmaster. And I don't have any answers for you. I don't know how that happens. I don't know why people do what they do. But the bottom line is, if you want to see Mississippi State play in the NFL Championship final game, you're going to have to pay pretty substantially for it. I think it would be worth it. It's also not my money I'm spending. Uh, I'm, I'm happy to say that my son and his wife have tickets. and They took care of it themselves. I didn't pull any strings. Just like everybody else, they had to get on there and get on the app. And I had told him, but halfway through the ball game, I said, listen, if it looks like we're going to get on, going to hold on here, you need to go, go ahead and buy your tickets and keep checking that app. And lo and behold, they're able to get some. And uh, I don't say that to rub it in, but we wanted to be prepared because I knew there would be a big push. And everybody's worried about you know the box office, what's going to happen at 10 a.m. at the box office. If there's no tickets, there's no tickets. And there's a lot of people that are going to be in Omaha that aren't going to be able to be in the stadium. Let me encourage you, find a place, whether it be – you know, the Blatt or the Mattress Factory or whatever, and, and go watch it with some other Bulldog fans. 
It won't be the same, but it'll be good to be able to celebrate. And it reminds you again, if you're not here and you're at home, watch the ball game with somebody you love, because I believe this is going to be a night we're going to remember forever. And I know, I know this, that if we're leading the night, then I'm leaving the press box and I'm going to be with my son. And I'm going to celebrate us winning our national championship with him because that's how much it matters to me. Nobody's going to be dependent on me to tweak the score, right? And I can always go back and get caught up on that uh, last couple plays there in the uh, in the article. It's important to me. And I know it's important to you all. And we've had so many conversations the last couple of days with fans that uh, everybody says, you know, Steve, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. And even after we get embarrassed on Monday, we still kind of walked away saying, you know what, we really shut them down the last eight innings. Maybe we've kind of figured out what they do offensively, and and we're, we're able to kind of prohibit them from doing the things they want to do. So let's continue to work hard and go claim what's rightfully ours, and that's the national championship. Remind you, too, Portico, a great place to live. If you're thinking about moving to Starkville, you absolutely have to go to Portico and go check them out. Whether you've hired a real estate agent or you're just kind of working through the process, you can get some information and at least be prepared for what the process will look like. It's a great place to live. It's easy to get to. It's just over a mile away from campus. You turn off of 82 on a 12 like you're going to campus. It's the very first right. You cross over a West Point Road. That becomes Garrett Road. And then the next thing you know, you're at Portico. You have two, anything from two-bedroom, two-bath, to four-bedroom, four-bath, whether it be a in your primary residence or a home away from home or just your weekend getaway or perhaps an investment property, Portico is absolutely great. Great construction, uh, great people running the show. There are only a couple of houses left in phase one. Phase two is about to get underway. They're going to get that thing rolling, and you're going to want to be in there. 601-416-8075. Again, that's 601-416-8075. That's Brooks Bryan. Got us committed to Mississippi State and committed to Starkville. Matter of fact, Brooks and his lovely wife are out here in in Omaha right now, <laughs> you know, pulling for a national championship. So the, you're doing business with Bulldogs, and I'm a big proponent of that. So let me encourage you again, give Brooks a call, get some information, because maybe you're the driving force in your family when it comes to these decisions. So make the most informed decision possible. You, trust me, you're going to want to be on that side of town. That's where kind of the growth is. And so rather than go, you know, fight some of these old neighborhoods and stuff, get the new construction in the new cool place. Make Portico your next move. All right, so before we get out of here, we did get a football commitment while I was gone. That's Cam East. Not a big surprise. We've been talking about that for several days, kind of expected that to happen. And um, so it's finally done. State currently ranked 15th in the country. And I suspect that we're going to finish somewhere around 17, 18, you know, because I think the strength of this class is going to be in the defensive line. But, uh, you know, we're in pretty good shape, fourth in the SEC. Let's take a look at Cam East because I think maybe some guys, you guys don't know him uh, perhaps as well as you'd like to. Cam East out of uh, St. Aug, which is a powerhouse. That's the same high school that produced Leonard Fournette. So, you know, these are guys that are kind of familiar with the high level of play when it comes to football. So Cam East, great job for him there. This is a guy that's got double-digit offers. Pretty impressive offer sheet, too. I know many of you, you appreciate that because it kind of validates your opinion. So, of course, he has to offer from State. He has to offer from TCU, Arkansas, Colorado, Florida State, Georgia, Houston, Memphis, Texas Tech, Virginia, and a few others. 
And you say, well, Steve, what about LSU? LSU has been on him a little bit, but they have not really gone on him. And I understand that one of the coaches down there was really honest with him and said, hey, listen, this is probably not going to happen. And so if you really want to play in the SEC, you need to kind of look at some other options. And so Mississippi State had been on him. Mason Miller done a good job. You know, Arkansas, of course, had been on him really hard. And it looked like Arkansas was leading for a while. But now State's got the commitment. I do expect this commitment to hold. Of course, if LSU gets involved late, things could get dicey. But, again, they hadn't done much with him. Cam East is an outstanding player. I will have an article out once we get back, kind of uh, what, you know, what to expect from him. I do think he is a tackle prospect. He's at 6'7", 280. He is that massive, long-limb offensive tackle prospect that Mike Leach has, has been very successful with. And Cam also a very intelligent guy. One of the first questions that he asked when he had his Zoom call with the staff back in the spring is, Hey, Coach, are you taking commitments? And then he was told, then, we'll take your commitment right now. We're not going to take a commitment from just anybody. Well, we would take you. That made a real impression on his family because he felt that he was wanted at Mississippi State. And so now he's a Bulldog. So that's something to be excited about. I'm excited about it. You should be as well. Cam East has done a great job, and I think that he is a true bona fide offensive tackle and will do a great job for us in the years ahead. I don't know what's next for Mississippi State right now because I'm kind of unplugged. You know, Paul's been working on that for us the last couple of weeks while I've been gone. And once I get back, we'll kind of get tuned back in and we'll get ready for those July camps. Dead period is, is on us now, so there's nobody on campus. So things in recruiting will slow down here for a couple of weeks and we'll be able to hopefully be crowned as a national champion. And then we can kind of get back into football recruiting. And I look forward to doing that. Got some other irons in the fire, and I want to thank you guys, too, for those of you that have gone out and bought Blooms of Oleander. I've had several people that have come up and said, Steve, I've already got the book, and I love it. Uh, It means so much to me to hear that. If you're looking for Blooms of Oleander, you can find it at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, BooksAmillion.com, or at Lemuria Books and Alternro Books, Bookmartin Cafe. If you want personalized copies, call Bookmartin Cafe, and I'll sign those things for you, whatever you want. Whether you're buying them for yourself, your wife, or some other significant other, uh, I'm happy to do that. If you're looking for the other books, go to alphadogsthebook.com. That's alpha, D-A-W-G-S, thebook.com. And you can get personalized copies of Flim Flam, Stark Villains, and Alpha Dogs. I have a lot of people that come up and say, Steve, how can we how can we help you and how can we support you? Buy some books and subscribe to Gene's page. Or order yourself some Stark Villains gear at starkvillains.com or starkvillain.com. Starkvillains.com. Go check it out today. And that's the fine folks at Deep South Pal that handle that for me done a great job now for over a year. I see a lot of Stark Villains gear out here in Omaha. Uh, does an old boy proud to see all that stuff. So I told you guys it'd be a shorter show today. I, and it's true. I got to get to bed because it's a big day for us on Wednesday, a really big day for us. And so my hope is that you will have some memories that will last you a lifetime. I've heard so many of our silver hair dogs that have said, you know what, Steve, I've waited my whole life for this and I believe we're going to do it. I've waited my whole life too. I'm not as old as many of you, but I believe we're going to do it. It's not going to be easy by any stretch of the imagination, and there's going to be a couple of things go wrong in this ballgame early. There always are. But I think we are tough enough and resilient enough to come over. And if you've seen Chris Lamonis' speech, he said, you know what, we got four, but we didn't come here to win four. We came here to win the national championship. We didn't just come here to get a T-shirt and take a fun trip. And baseball was a sideshow. We came here to win the national championship. And that's our goal, and that's going to be our goal every year. And it's going to be some years we don't make Omaha and we're going to feel like the world is falling. And you know what? I, I look forward to those days because it means that we've really graduated as a program. But for now, let's go get our trophy. Let's go have our moment 
at TD Ameritrade Park. Let's have our Omaha magical moment for everybody that's involved in this thing. You know, for Rafi, for Will, for Brantley Jones, for Ted Milton, for Mike Kelly, for Bruce Castoria, for Ethan Small, for Hunter Renfro, for Adam Frazier, for Jake Mangum, for Brent Rooker. You know, for all these great Bulldogs that we've had, you know, Jeff Brantley, Bobby Thigpen, Paul Mahalam, and the list goes on and on and on. And sometimes I think the weight of all that is a, is a lot for our for our players. But I think this group is tough enough to carry that burden. And I think it's time we go finish the deal and take our rightful claim as the kings of college baseball. That's going to do it for today. I'll be back with you guys soon. You never know when it's going to be. Uh, no, For certain, it'll be uh, here by Friday. But you have to give me some traveling time, too. So we'll see how things go. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live.